Just teasing. Hey, um, so I had a whole sermon planned out to to uh, share with you guys, but you know, I feel like I've changed my mind because there is a lot happening in the NBA free agency market right now, <laughs> and I want to talk a little bit about LeBron and where he's going to end up. No, that's not true. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, about a, a really simple topic. Something really nice and easy. So we're going to be talking about just the simple, easy question of what's the meaning of life? <laughs> so I hope you have a few hours. Can you lock the doors? Great. No. Uh, we're going to tackle this in just a few minutes. Uh, but really, this is, this is the question. This is the question that you know, philosophers have debated, that scientists are trying to find out, that, that theologians have, have studied and discussed. And this is the question that is, that is in all of our hearts, right? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What is life all about? Why, why am I here? What is the meaning of life? And if you look throughout history, you'll have great thinkers and, 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 and poets and, and historians, all these people attempt to answer this. The, the great author Kurt Vonnegut says, the meaning of life is within ourselves. He's saying it's inside of you, that you can find life's meaning inside of you, that that's what it's all about. If you look at Aristotle, he would disagree. He said, what's the essence of life? It's, it's to serve others and to do good. He says, you can't find it inside of you. It's actually outside of you. It's when you're actually serving others that you find the meaning of life. The Dalai Lama would say, what's the meaning of life? It's to be happy, to find happiness in life, to, to be happy, to, to enjoy life. That's the meaning of life, the Dalai Lama would say. Robert Louis Stevenson says, the meaning of life is to become what we are capable of becoming. You know, making the most of ourselves, being the best version of ourselves that we can, that we can be, to, 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 to just be the best version of ourselves. Bernard Register says, it is striving for power. That power is the point of life. To get as much as you can, to, to accomplish as much as you can. That's the meaning of life. Jean-Paul Sartre says life has no meaning. He sounds like he'd be fun at a party. <laughs> Sorry, Jean, I forgot your invite in the mail. It got lost. And of course, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says the meaning of life is 42. There's like four people who get that, and that's okay with me. Just a few of us nerds. That's, that, that's the question, though. What is the meaning of life? And today, we're going to be looking at the Bible. We're going to be looking at what Scripture tells us the meaning of life is. What, what is the point of all this? Why are we here? What, is, what does the Bible tell us? And, and so before we jump in to Scripture, why don't we just pray? Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that we had just such a sweet time of worship and that we could engage with you. And we just ask that you would be with us as we look at your word. In your name, amen. All right, so last week we kicked off a new series. We're, we're going through uh, this series in Philippians. Michael kicked it off, and if you didn't listen to Michael's message last week, I encourage you to, to go back and listen to that one. It was excellent. But we're looking at the book of Philippians, and, and we, we call it a book, but it's actually, it's not a book. It's a letter. Um, it was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and you can tell uh, by the tone of this letter that Paul had great affection for this church. He really, really loved this church, and, and, and the truth is, is most of Paul's letters are pretty uh, harsh. 
He, there's a lot of correction. There's a lot of like, guys, you got to knock this off. Stop doing this thing and, you know, start doing this thing. And, and the book of Philippians, Paul is just super, super optimistic. And he's just full of affection for this church. He's, he's, there's a little bit of correction in it that we'll, we'll get into. But the majority of it is just encouragement. The majority of it is just uh, lifting up this church. It's, it's, it's an extremely positive letter. People refer to it as the, the letter of joy. They call it the letter of joy. And what's interesting about that is Paul wrote this letter from prison, awaiting his death. He would have been chained to a, a, a Roman guard 24-7. Did you know that? That he wouldn't have just been sitting in a prison cell. He would have been chained to a, to a guard. They would have taken shifts. He would have never had a moment of privacy. He, he, he knew he was waiting his execution, yet he was full of joy. How was how he able to, to have so much joy? And, and I believe it's because Paul really realized what the meaning of life is. And we're going we're gonna to find out here in a moment. Let's start here in verse 14 in chapter 1. Paul says, Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and, and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, but the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Paul is saying, here I am sitting in jail, and, and the, the gospel is starting to spread all over. And people are preaching the gospel even more. The, the, just the message of Jesus, people are talking about more and more since he's in, been in jail. And some people are talking about Jesus because they're like, man, Paul got thrown in jail and he took it so seriously. We need to take it seriously too. We need to talk more about Jesus. We need to, 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 to preach the gospel more. But he said there's actually people who are preaching the gospel because they're trying to get Paul in more trouble. Isn't that interesting? They're trying to get Paul in more trouble, and Paul's like, I don't care either way. As long as people are talking about Jesus, I'm cool. That's interesting, isn't it? How is Paul supposed, how, how is Paul able to be so nonchalant? Like, I don't care. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I get in more trouble. How was he able to say this? And like I said earlier, it's because I think Paul really was connected to the meaning of life. He understood why he was put on this earth, and, and he shares the meaning of life with us in verse 21. And verse 21 is a very simple verse. It's one of the most famous verses in, in the entire Bible, and personally, it's one of my very favorites. But listen, listen to what Paul says. He says, For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. So profound. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. What did he mean by this? Seems pretty simple, right? But I bet you, if we went around the room and asked, what does that mean to say to live is Christ? I bet you we get dozens of different answers. So what did Paul mean by saying to, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain? Well, I want to look at the two different parts of that sentence, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But let's start off with that first part, to live is Christ. This is a powerful statement. And again, it seems simple. What does it mean to say to live is Christ? I think essentially what Paul is saying is that Jesus needs to be central in your life. That Jesus needs to be the thing that you live for. That Jesus needs to be the thing that, that uh, inspires you to live. 
That Jesus needs to be the thing that everything else in your life revolves around. That Jesus is the thing that, that has given you life. It's the thing that helps you live and it's the thing that you are living for. The reason that we breathe is because of Jesus. The reason we exist is because of Jesus. The, the, the way we are able to continue living is because of Jesus. And the thing that we are living for is Jesus. Think about it like this. Think about if life was this performance. Right? Think about life being this performance, which it's not, so it's not a great analogy. But think about it as a performance, like it's this great symphony Jesus would be the composer of that symphony, the one who wrote it, the one who put every note in its place. He would be the conductor, the one who directs it, the one who, 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 who builds it and, and, and drops it, and he would also be the, the audience, the one whom the, 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 the symphony is for. See, our lives come from him. Our lives exist through him, and our, our lives are ultimately for him. Romans 11 says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. And to him be the glory forever." From him, through him, and for him are all things. And if you look at the Greek of the word all things, it means all things. It means everything. And that includes us. We, we, we exist because of him. We, we exist through him, and we exist for him. So the question is, what is your life all about? What do you live for? What is that thing that, that for you makes life worth living? Or that you think will make life worth living? What is that thing in your heart that you're most passionate about? What is the thing that you daydream about? What gets you up in the morning? What excites you? Is it money? Man, if I could just make some more money. If I could get out of this debt, then, oh, then life would be good. Then my life would, or maybe you have a lot and you're like, man, if I could get just a couple more bucks. Is it career? Man, if I could find that, that job that, that you know, gave me purpose, then, then my life would have meaning. If I wasn't in this career and I have that, that career that I know I'm supposed to do, then, then I would feel complete. Is it family? Is it a spouse? Is it your health? Is it happiness? Man, if I was just happy, if I could just be happy, if I could get out of this situation and into a better situation, then, then life would have meaning. Is it comfort? Is it sex? Is it power? Paul says to live for him is Christ. And ultimately, those things, most of those things are, are fine. They can be really good gifts from God. We can enjoy them. We can, we can really enjoy those things, but if we look to those things to give life meaning, then we're going to be let down. Because God didn't make those things to give our life meaning. The only thing in this universe that gives life meaning is Jesus. And if we look to those things, man, our life will not have meaning. And we'll be on this constant, you know, journey and struggle to find meaning out of things that won't give you meaning. Scripture tells us that Jesus gives us meaning. That's why, that's why Paul was able to say to live is Christ. 
That's the point of life. The point of life is Jesus. So practically, what does that mean for us? Okay, to live is Christ. But how, how do I do that then? How do, I, how do I center my life around him? How do I live for him? My natural response, and probably a lot of you guys are like me, is to think, what do I do? What do I, what do I not do? Okay, I need, to, I need to get church more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to do more Christian things and stop doing the, those worldly things. I need, I need to do more. That's what it means to live as Christ, right? No, that's not what Paul means. That's not what Paul means. Paul's not talking about behaviors. So what does it mean? What, does Paul, what is Paul talking about when he's talking about to live as Christ? If it's not behaviors, what is it? Well, to, to really answer that question, we need to answer the question first of why God made you. Why did God make you? And I'm going to tell you. The reason that you exist, the reason that God made you is because he loves you. The reason that you exist is because God loves you. He didn't make you and then start to love you. He created you because he loves you. Listen to this verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31 3 says, I have loved you with an eternal love. I have loved you with an eternal love. And what this means, this is so much deeper than, than, than it seems, but this, this idea of him loving us with an eternal love means that, that he loves us the most possible. That there, there's, there's an infinite amount of love that he has for us, that it will exist forever and that it has existed forever. Do you know that God loves you? He loved you since before the earth even existed. And the reason he made you is because he loves you. So you exist because God wants to love you and he wants you to, to receive his love and to, to, to love him back. Billy Graham says it like this. He said, God created us for one reason, to know him and love him and have fellowship with him. I hate to tell Billy that that's three things, but no, but it's really one thing. We were created to, to, to be known by God, to know him, to love him, to be loved by him, to be in relationship with him. And I think that, that's what Paul is talking about. When he says to live is Christ, he's talking about a relational reality. And here's the thing. I think most of us can wrap our heads around that somewhat. That we know, okay, yeah, God loves me. God loves me and he wants to have a relationship with me. And we understand it theologically. We understand it with our heads. But this is not just a theological reality. This is not just something that God is calling us to understand. This is something that God is calling us to experience, to live. God is calling you into a relation, a real relationship. To know him. Do you know that you can, you can hear the voice of God? You can spend time with him. You can be, have intimacy with him. God is a God that can be known. And if we look throughout Scripture, this is something that God is constantly communicating to his people, that I desire you. I desire to know you and, and to be known by you. That he is a relational God and he is a God that can be experienced. He's an experiential God. We can connect with him. So when Paul is saying to live is Christ, it's not just him making this like head knowledge to say yes, to agree to these certain stipulations and to believe the right things. He's saying, no, live as Christ is a relational reality in my life. 
And that's what God is calling you to today, to know him, to be known by him and to, to, to be loved by him. That's what life is all about. That is the meaning of life, is to be loved by Jesus and to love him. But it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? So we live in this, this messed up world. We live in this broken world where, where there's sin and when, when we chose to rebel against God and we, we sinned against him and went our own way, there was this wedge that, that divided us from God. And we have our flesh that's constantly lying to us and making us have desires that are outside of the will of God and calling us far away from God. And we have an enemy whose, whose one goal is to separate you from God. And we have distractions and we have hardships and, 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 and God can feel hard to get to know here on earth. You know, the Bible talks about, all throughout Scripture, there's this beautiful picture that keeps on coming up about this, this banquet, this wedding feast that we are going to be a part of one day, that, that they say, oh man, everybody's invited to it and it's going to be beautiful and we're going to celebrate and we're going to be reconnected with God and we get to, you know, we're going to feast and it's going to be the biggest party And the Bible tells us that today we can taste that feast. That we get a taste of it. Let me just say, yeah, we don't get the full meal. But a taste is real. A taste is real. And that taste is so good. It is so good. See, just a taste is better than anything that this world has to offer. Just a taste of Jesus' love and his, his, his passion for you and his, his, his good intentions for you, just a taste is better than all the money in the world. Just a taste of Jesus is better than that promotion that you've been dying for. Just a taste of God's love and, 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 and the way he looks at you, just a taste of Jesus is better than power, is better than anything that this world has to offer. Just a taste. And we can have that taste today. And let me just say that taste, oh man, that taste of Jesus, of his goodness, of his affection, that is what sustains me throughout all of my life. Through my ups and my downs, it was the taste of Jesus that got me through the deepest, darkest point of my life. When I would doubt who God was, when I was wrestling with, with all of these things, I said, but I know you, I've met you, I've tasted that you are good. I can't deny that you're real because I've met you, I've experienced you. Guys, it's that taste that God is offering us that, that is going to get us through this hard, broken world. And we need to hold on to those tastes. To live is Christ. Paul was able to say, listen, it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter if I stay in prison. It doesn't matter if I go free because to live is not my freedom. To live isn't that I am more successful and I do more things. To live is Christ. So it doesn't matter if I'm in jail or if I'm, you know, a free man. Because to live is Christ. The point of life is that we get Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life today, you get Jesus. You may be going through like a super high point in your life. You get Jesus. You may be in the lowest low in your life. You get Jesus. Not the full banquet, but you get a taste. So what does that look like for you? 
how can you experience Jesus? How can you experience the living God who loves you in this broken world? How do we experience him? Well, I wish I could say, here are the five easy steps. But I can't because you're different than me. You're wired different than I am. And so part of the beauty of this relationship with Jesus is we, we, we learn more about how our, our amazing creator created me. How did he wire me to experience him? I know for me, here's, here's how I do it. I know the place that I experience Jesus the most, not the only place, but the place I experience him the most is when I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm not watching a movie, and I I turn my phone off, and I can get by myself in quiet, all by myself, and it's in that place where I hear Jesus tell me how much he loves me. And I hear him tell me how much he's proud of me. And how he's there for me. And I hear his voice. And I get a taste. And it sustains me. And I'll tell you guys, if I don't regularly do that, I will spin off the rails. And so for you, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's in this context when we all get together and we're, we're celebrating and worshiping and it's that context that you really connect with Jesus. Or maybe for you, it's when you're reading your Bible and you can read the truths that God has given us. Or, you know, my, my wife talks about when she goes running and she'll go on these long, long mile runs in the, in the country and she's like, that's where I connect with Jesus. And I'm like, that sounds awful. But, but, but the truth is, is it's going to be different for all of us. And I want, I want to encourage you to explore those things. There's great books of, of spiritual disciplines that are things that are created to help us connect with this God who, who, who is hard to connect with sometimes. And I, I, I want to tell you guys from my experience, the more I've just explored those things, the deeper and more rich my relationship with them has become. But, but here, here, here's what I want to do. Also, let me just encourage you to, that equipped class that's coming up, go to that. It's going to give you some great tools on how to hear God's voice. But here's what I want to do before we move on to the second part. See, I believe when the Bible says that when two or more are gathered, that he is with us. I believe that's true. I believe the Holy Spirit is here with us right now. And that he is, he is wooing you. He is, there, there is not a person in this room that God is not actively pursuing. And so what I want to do is just quiet ourselves for a moment and see, see if the Holy Spirit wants to do something. See if Jesus wants to speak to some of us. I know in the past couple services that we've done this, man, I've heard some crazy, amazing stories of people who've connected to God in ways that they've never connected God, to God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to just be quiet for like 30 seconds. And, and I want to encourage you to... to, to, to Keep your mind open for for maybe a picture or maybe a thought will cross your mind and you'll think, huh, I don't know why I'm thinking that. Maybe it's Jesus. Maybe there'll be an emotion or something that you feel in your heart or maybe you'll physically feel something. I don't know. I think God speaks to us in lots of different ways. So we're going to just quiet ourselves. Why don't we close our eyes? You know, for me, opening my hands is really helpful. Again, it might not be for you, but opening my hands, sometimes when I give my body a posture of openness, my heart kind of follows. So, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us. We, we, just, we just say we're open to whatever you want to do.
See, I, I can even physically see right now the Holy Spirit resting on different people in this room. I mean, some of you guys are hearing things from the Lord. Some of you guys feel like this sense of peace that, that you haven't had in weeks. That's, that's, that's Jesus. So I want to encourage you guys to, to, I mean, this was 30 seconds. Maybe you could incorporate some of that time into your everyday life. Maybe for you, this was weird, and you're like, this was dumb. I didn't like this. That's okay. You don't have to do this. this it works for me. The point is to live is Christ, and Jesus is calling us into a relationship with him. Whether things are going great in our life, things are falling apart, we, we get Jesus. And, and I can just say I've found such great joy, peace, hope, love. I found such great hope in my hard times when I put my faith in Jesus, when I, when I enter into that relationship with him. And the more I, I focus on, you know, fixing the problems of my life or overcoming the hurdles in my life, sometimes it feels like those hurdles get bigger. But the more I focus on my Jesus, the, 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 the hurdles somehow get smaller or less important. So, okay, let's jump to the second part. To die is gain. Paul, how can you say to die is gain? How can, how can someone say to die is gain? I mean, Paul wasn't a masochist. He didn't have a death wish. So what is he talking about? Well, see, I believe that Paul understood what death was. And Paul knew that death is not the end of the story. And it's just the beginning. That Paul knew that on, on the other side of death, there's, there's hope. That Paul could be connected to the one that he had the taste of. That Paul could, could receive Jesus in his fullness. The one who eternally loves him, that he would be united with him in a way that he had never experienced here on earth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face with our Jesus. So now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am known fully. You say now it's, 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 it's like a reflection it's just like a reflection of Jesus. But, but on the other side, we'll be face to face with Jesus. No distractions. No more sin. No more pain. No more cancer. No, no more racism. No more injustice. Every tear will be wiped away when we come face to face with our Jesus. Paul had an assurance that death was only the beginning of the story. We'd be full of his love. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's true. You were made for eternity with Jesus. And there's these desires that we have in our hearts. I don't know what they are for you. I know there's these desires in my heart for justice, for things to be made right. And we're not going to experience that fully this side of, of heaven. There's desires for, for real, true, perfect love. There's, there's desires for hope, for joy, for things that we can taste of on this side. But we will know fully on the other side. 
Because we weren't created just for this world. We were created for another world. We were created to spend eternity with Jesus. So that's how we can say to live is Christ, but to die is gain. See, if you say to live is money, to live is money, well then to die, no more money. You can't take it with you. To to, to live is happiness. To live is happiness. Well, then to die means it didn't matter. To live is serving others. Well, you, you can't serve others when you're dead. To say to live is Christ is the only way that we can say then to die is gain. Because we experience more of Christ on the other side. See, like I was saying before, we have to put our hope in the thing that is eternal, that will never change, that will never shift, that will never leave or, 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 or hurt us, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that is solid in this entire universe. Everything else changes, and, and, and we put our hope in the thing that never changes because that will never let, let us down. even in death. See, for for the believer, we believe that death is, is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. So then why are we here? Why didn't Jesus just put us in heaven? Why are we here on earth? And, and I got to be honest, there, there is great mystery to that. There, there, there's a lot that I'm like, I, I, I don't know fully. But, but here's what I do know. Is that we have an opportunity here on earth that we don't have in heaven. See, there's this battle going on and, and, and on earth for your soul. There's a battle going on Right now, whether or not you are going to love Jesus or not. And here on earth, we have the ability to say, I choose Jesus now. I choose you, Jesus, even though I just get a taste of you. It's essentially like we're saying, your love is so good. Your love is so compelling. Who you are is so amazing that just a taste of you, oh man, I love you. I will serve you. And the Bible talks about how heaven rejoices when we do that. There is a unique opportunity that we have here on earth to choose God even when it's hard. And and I believe wholeheartedly, I believe that that one day we're going to be up in heaven. And you're going to be up there and an angel is going to come up to you and say, oh, I remember that day when when your spouse walked out on you and you chose Jesus that day. And and man, heaven rejoiced. We celebrated that day. That was like, we threw the biggest party over how how wonderful, we just celebrated how amazing Jesus is. Or I remember that day when, when, when you were diagnosed with cancer and you chose Jesus. Or I, I remember that day when you were so depressed you couldn't get out of bed. But you said, but, but I'm going to choose Jesus. Even in my bed, I'm going to choose Jesus. And man, heaven rejoiced. We celebrated because you're saying your love is so compelling. That taste that I had, that, that reflection that I saw of you was so good that I, I'm still going to choose you. One day, we're going to get the full banquet. But today, we get that taste. And Paul, Paul talks about this, you know, just a, a couple of verses later. He said, man, I'm I'm torn. 
Because part of me wants to go be with Jesus now, to go into heaven now, but part of me is like, I have some fruitful good things. I get to partner with Jesus now here on earth, and, I, and that's an opportunity that I, I, I won't get on the other side. There's something unique about this, this life. But for us believers, death is only the beginning. We have the assurance that we are going to spend eternity with, with, our, with our Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's because Jesus' death that, that our death no longer has to have power over us. We don't have to fear death anymore because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Death is not the final word anymore. It's only the beginning because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. All we have to do is accept what Jesus did on the cross and we get to spend eternity with, with Jesus and paradise. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And I believe there are people here in this room who have never entered in that relationship with Jesus. You don't have that assurance that you are going to spend eternity with him. And maybe, maybe for you, you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe for you, being a Christian meant like following a bunch of rules. And you've never really entered into that relationship with the one who made you, who eternally loves you. Maybe for you, Christianity was believing a list of things. But you, you've never said, yes, Jesus, I want, I want to be reunited with you. And I want to offer you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. To enter into that relationship with him and have the assurance where you can say, and to die is gain. And so why don't we do this? Let's bow our heads. I'm going to just say a really simple prayer. It's not a magical prayer. But if you want to do that today, why don't you just kind of say this prayer with me? Let my words be, be your words. So Jesus, I, I just admit that I have looked to other things to give me life. That I have looked to things outside of you to give me purpose, and, and I have sinned. But Lord, I, I accept your forgiveness that you accomplished on the cross where you conquered death. And I want to enter into a relationship with you. And I don't know what that's going to look like. But I want to enter into it today. And I want to have your, that, that taste of you today. And Lord, I want that assurance that on the other side, that I will be with you for eternity. And I'll get the full banquet. You know, as we have our heads bowed, can you, can, if you said that prayer with me, can you just raise your hand? Bless you guys. Anyone else? Just raise your hand if you said that prayer. You can put your hands down. Why don't we, why don't we, why don't we stand? So here at the Vineyard, we do this thing called ministry time, where we just kind of respond to what, what God has been doing. So I believe that there's some people here uh, today who, who, while I was talking, uh, something was stirring in your heart. And there was almost like there was a, a hook that was kind of pulling you. And, and I feel like the Lord is getting your attention. He wants, to, he wants to do something with you here today. And so if that, if that was you, if something that I said you really connected with, you just feel like God is doing something, I want to invite you forward 
to, to receive prayer. And we'd, we'd feel honored to pray for you. And, and I also feel like there are people here who you, you really need uh, just a fresh taste of Jesus. And maybe it's because you haven't had one in a while. Maybe you had one on your way in here. Maybe you had one during worship. But, but Jesus is saying, I want to offer you a fresh taste. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because you're going through hard things. Maybe it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus wants to say, I'm here and I want to meet with you. And then also, I mean, if you're, if you're struggling with anything today, if you have sickness in your body or pain or you're dealing with anything emotionally or, or mentally or you're just facing really hard, hard things in your life and you need prayer, you need to see God intervene, I want to invite you. We'd, we'd be honored to pray for you. It would really, really bless us if you would let us pray for you. So Olivia is going to lead us in one more song, but... I just want to encourage you, if any of those things, if you felt like your heart was stirring for any of those things, or if you need prayer, to come forward and, and, and we'd love to pray for you. So you can just make your way up to the front. And as people come up, if... if uh, you know, if we just want to come and pray for them, put, put our hand on their shoulder. If guys want to pray for guys and, and gals want to pray for gals. But this is a real safe place. I just want to encourage you that, that if you feel like God is, is, is calling you and, or if you, if you need that fresh taste of Jesus, let's come forward.
Jesus, thank you for your love. And we say we love you because you loved us first. With an eternal love. A love that's so compelling. And we ask for more. We just want we, we want more of you, Jesus, in our life. We just acknowledge that what you've given is more than we, we deserve. But we want we ask for more because we know that you love us and you, you want to give to your, your kids. Give us a, just a, more of an understanding of how much you love us, of your affection for us, of your mercy towards us, your grace. So open our eyes to, to how wonderful you are. And Lord, we pray that that love that you just shower on us would, would overflow in our hearts and, and pour out on others and that we would, we would be so overflowing with your goodness and, and, and your mercy and your compassion that we would, we would pour it out on those around us and we would serve We wouldn't do those things to, to earn your love or, or because we feel like we have to do them out of obligation, but we would do it out of the overflow of, of your love. So we ask for more, Jesus. We say you are so wonderful. We just ask that our lives would be a, a demonstration of your love. That this church would be a uh, just a, a demonstration that you are a loving God, that you're not angry, you are really loving. And you say, we love you, Jesus. Help us love you. Help us love you more. Amen.